0: Well, I love what has been happening over the last weeks and months as Gary has been doing this series called God's Grand Story. Isn't it wonderful? We're getting to see the scriptures, excuse me, from a 30,000 foot level and understand what is in that book. And for the last two weeks, Gary has been focusing on the book of Daniel. You remember? Two weeks ago, he spoke about the future of the world, and he taught us from the second chapter of the book of Daniel, how all of the past and present and future kingdoms of this world are going to be done away with and replaced with one eternal kingdom of our great and glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. And then last week, he spoke on the coronation of Christ. From Daniel chapter 7, we looked at that vision that Daniel was given of the scene in heaven where Christ receives that kingdom and is coronated. But the question that we are dealing with today is this. What will it take to bring us to that coronation? What needs to happen in order for Christ to return to this planet and set up his eternal kingdom? Well, there's a major clue given to us in that passage that Gary read from Daniel 7. Let's take a look at that coronation passage again this morning. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and with the clouds of the sky, one like a son of man was approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. To him... Was given ruling authority, honor, and sovereignty. All peoples, nations, and language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Did you notice the clue in there? Well, if not, we have another passage that has the same clue in it. And it was written hundreds of years later by a different author who was also given a vision of that throne room coronation. And it's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 7, 8, and 9. And it's the scene in heaven when the Ancient of Days, seated on his throne, is approached by, in this case he's called, the Lamb who appeared to be slain. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Let's read what happens in that scene. Revelation 5 verse 7, then he, the lamb, came and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne, the ancient of days. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders threw themselves to the ground before the lamb. They were singing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were killed And at the cost of your own blood, you have purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have appointed them as a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Did you notice the clue? The clue is this. It's going to take people from every nation tribe, tongue and language to be present for the coronation. It's mentioned in both passages. The coronation of Christ will not happen until there are redeemed worshipers of Christ from every people group on our planet. The coronation of Christ will not happen until there are redeemed Worshippers of Christ from every people group on our planet. So it makes perfect sense that when Christ on earth was preparing to leave and giving his final instructions to his followers, that he made it crystal clear to them that the message of the gospel must go to every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. He knew that this had to happen before he would be able to be coronated king and set up his eternal kingdom on this planet where he had redeemed people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And it's not just all Gentiles, it includes the Jewish people as well, who for the most part up to this point have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. But in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish religious leaders, and this is just before his death, and he tells them what must happen before he will return again to Jerusalem. And we find that in Matthew chapter 23, verse 39. Jesus says this, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel will recognize their Messiah. And that's why we do ministry to Israel. That's why we love the Jewish people and serve them and share the gospel with them. Because we want this passage to be fulfilled. A few minutes later, Jesus is now talking with his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 and he's speaking about the end of the age And he tells them what must happen before he can come back to earth and wrap up human history and be coronated as king. And he says that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. That word nations is ethnos, better translated people groups, where we get the word ethnic. And then the end will come. Jesus actually gave his great commission five different times recorded in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Each Gospel records it and the first chapter of the book of Acts. And he gave it five different places at five different times. Beginning on the day of his resurrection and ending on the day of his ascension. And all in between, he repeatedly instructed his followers that they were to take this message of the gospel to every people group on the planet. The passage that we're most familiar with is in Matthew chapter 28, what we call the Great Commission. If you open up this booklet on the inside page, you'll see it written there. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We just did that this morning. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus knew that this commission needed to be fulfilled before we could have the coronation. And we're in that time period right now, from commission to coronation. So as followers of Jesus who want to do our part to obey the Great Commission by the power of the Holy Spirit as poured out at Pentecost, what does that look like for us here at Grace Community Church? All of us, all of us have a part to play. Not everybody will go to a distant land as the people in this book have done, right? Not everyone will, but we all will play a part. We all are called by Christ to make disciples of all peoples. And so the question is, what is our part? What is your part? I believe that God has given us a legacy and a calling to respond to Christ's commission in three ways specific ways here at Grace Community. The first way is that we are a sending church. Grace Community Church is a sending church. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, also penned 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. In the letter of 3rd John, he's writing to his dear friend Gaius, who is an elder in one of the early churches And Gaius is wrestling with an issue of how to respond and deal with sort of these traveling preachers and evangelists that were being sent out to share the gospel. And John gives him this advice in the the letter of 3 John. Verse 6, he says this, You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. And verse 8 Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we may prove to be fellow workers with the truth. So those you send, you are a fellow worker with by sending them. When I was growing up, my parents were missionaries in West Africa. We lived for many years in Niger and then in Nigeria. My father was an evangelist to different tribal groups. The Fulani were one a major group that he shared the gospel with. Every few years we would come back to the U.S. to visit those who had sent us. And, and I want to tell you that it was not something I looked forward to. In fact, I dreaded it we would travel throughout the year or the several months we were home from church to church and nobody knew me nobody really knew us we would try to explain what we were doing i remember dreading going into sunday school classes and being the kid that everybody stared at and expected to know all the bible verses there was one summer I traveled with my mom and dad as they visited supporting churches and my father was near burnout. He didn't know if he could go back. And in every church that we visited, he got up and gave the same message. He, he pleaded with our supporting and sending churches to get serious about praying for us. Now, God answered those prayers, and my parents did go back and continue the ministry God had given them. But those experiences of my life have formed and informed how I believe we as a sending church need to be towards those that we send out. Folks, we have got to be behind them and pray for them and support them and know them. These are the three ways that I urge us, and I, I say as well that we are supporting our overseas workers. First of all, by praying for them. Praise God for a G-HOP that has information on the walls about all of our workers. And this, these booklets are great prayer guides. And we have global prayer every Wednesday morning, where for an hour you can interact online with our overseas workers and get updates from them and pray for them and we support them financially i thank god for gary and an elder board that are so generous with our church budget to support so many workers that we send out and we know them so many in this church have invested hosting and visiting and encouraging and writing our overseas workers it's such a blessing and these three ways praying for and supporting and knowing we build relationships with our overseas workers we know what they're going through, we encourage them, and we stand behind them. And by doing this, we send them in a manner worthy of God. I want to commend us as a church, and I also want to say, as Paul said in First Thessalonians chapter 4, let us excel still more. Amen. Secondly, we are a welcoming church. We are a welcoming church. Do you know that DFW has one of the highest populations of refugee, immigrant, and international populations in the entire USA? Many of the unreached people groups of the world have people living right here in our metroplex. This is not a political issue for the church. This is an obedience issue for the church. God has told us to love our neighbors. And actually, if you look at the parable that he used to, disc- to answer the question, who is my neighbor? The answer was somebody very different from you and somebody who is in need. And I praise God for what is going on in this church to reach out to immigrants and refugees and internationals. The ESL ministry, Mary Rangel and her team that serve and love Arab-speaking families, Our cornerstone team that reaches out to international students. Praise God that we are a welcoming church. And third, we are a going church. We are a going church. To obey the Christian, the commission of Christ, some of us must go. Yes, there are many people from unreached groups that are coming and living among us. But there are many more who live in far and dark and distant lands who have no access to the scriptures, to a believer or to a church, no access to the gospel message, unless somebody goes to them and shares that message. We celebrate that message, we enjoy it, we worship every week here, we have communion where we remember the essence of the gospel and yet there are billions literally billions of people who have no access to that unless someone goes to them. The priority of the Christian Church must be the unreached frontier people groups. Those are any group, ethnolinguistic group, that has no ready access to the gospel. No believers. No churches or no scriptures in their language. They have no ready access to the gospel. That must be the priority of the global church. So here we are, 2,000 years after Christ gave his great commission. How are we doing? As a global church, where are we? Well, I want to illustrate that with the visualization this morning those of you sitting on this side of the sanctuary notice that you have candles under your chairs right or hopefully there's a candle near you first service may have moved some of those candles around but please everybody on these two sections over here look for and grab a candle okay and all of you stand up with your candle we will have some lighters who are going to come along and light your candle and then you can light the person next to you and let's get this side of the sanctuary lit up and as we do that let's bring down the house lights so you folks on this side of the room represent one-third of our global population eight billion people one-third of which claim to be Christian that's you you are the light of the world you have the light of the gospel Now, another third, roughly, of our global population are not Christians, but they live within reach of the gospel. They have access to the scriptures and to other believers and to churches. That's you folks right here in the middle. You represent the one-third of our world population that are not believers yet, but you have access to the gospel, there might be a church right down the street. You may have a neighbor who knows the Lord. That's about one-third of our global population. Now, you folks over here are another. represent the last third of our global population. That's actually a little over three billion people. And you are non-believers who have no access to the gospel. You don't have the scriptures in the, in the language that you understand. You don't know any believers. You have no church that you can attend that you know of. You live without access to the message of the gospel. And you are heading for a Christless eternity. One third of our world population. Well... Does this look right? What, what should we do, Christian world? Go there. What should we do? What should you do about this inequity, this injustice? Amen. Praise God that when you realize that people are living in the dark without the benefit of the gospel, we cannot just stay in our seats hiding our light under a bushel. You are the light of the world. You have the message that this room needs. The rest of our globe needs the gospel message. I praise God that we have a generation today that is focused on injustice and wants to correct the injustices of the world. May I say to you that this is the worst injustice of all, that one-third of humanity has no access to the gospel message. And yes, we, the church, must shine our light in the dark. Amen. We'll bring up the house lights. And those of you that are over here can return back to your seat. Thank you for demonstrating exactly what the response needs to be. Amen. I, ha- I had to tell all the people over here that got candles in first service that they had to give them back because I needed them all, you know, on this side for this service. But you can keep your candles now. Actually, the fact of the matter is that less than up to now less than five percent of the global missionary workforce less than five percent of the global missionary workforce goes to that third of our population less than five percent goes to the frontier unreached people groups And less than 1% of all mission funding, I'm not talking about church funding total. No. Only mission funding. Less than 1% of all mission funding goes to share the gospel with unreached frontier people groups. Folks, that's got to change. We want the king to be coronated. That won't happen until all people groups have worshiping people before the throne but you know there is good news things are changing God is at work his global church is more united now than ever before in missions the cooperation among churches and great commission organizations is seeing great advances in church planting And Bible translation efforts toward the unreached. And partly because of this, but also because of a great move of the Holy Spirit, we know of and are tracking almost 2,000 known disciple making movements on our planet. A disciple making movement is a movement that's defined by rapidly growing indigenous people groups who are Jesus follow, have Jesus followers and who start more groups of followers to the fourth generation. So it's not just something that stops maybe after a few conversions and churches start. No, this has to go at least four generations deep in making disciples. And we know of almost 2,000 of those movements going on right now. And as I look back over 35 years of mission ministry here at Grace Community Church, I am so blessed. I am so moved by so many who are involved in this work, who are loving our neighbors, who are welcoming, who are sending, and also who are going. With the resources that we have available to the global church in both treasure and people, and by the power of the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost, we can get this Great Commission done. We can and we will. And we can help bring history from commission to coronation. Amen? I want to ask that if God is speaking to your heart this morning and you want to respond specifically in one or more of the three ways that we talked about, either as someone who sends, who prays for, who supports, who encourages by knowing, or you want to be involved in welcoming people who have come here, or maybe you want to be involved too in going, we have a launch program here that Steve Hedlund leads that will actually equip and train you to know what it means to go to an unreached frontier people group and share the gospel. If God is stirring in your heart to respond, then I want to ask you to go ahead and fill out this this little questionnaire that's at the bottom of your bulletin or you can scan that QR code That'll take you to the same form. You can do it online. And then you can, if you did the paper, you can put it in the offering boxes or take it back here to the connection corner after the service. And then we'll be in touch with you on how you can begin to take the next steps of obedience. And if you're online, I want to encourage you to look online. We should have a link that you can access that will take you to that form. Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, first of all, we want to see you coronated. We want to see that day happen when you receive the honor and glory and majesty that you are due from all the people that you created, from every people group you made. Show us, Father, how we can do our part. Give us wisdom. Give us grace and give us power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.